Part 2, Risk Area, Animal Contact. One of the primary risk areas for zoonotic disease exposures is, of course, contact with an infected animal. Exposures can occur from any number of body tissues or fluids from an infected animal. Carcasses during necropsy or disposal, body fluids such as oral or nasal secretions during care or treatment, or reproductive tissues and fluids during parturition. Skin lesions or wounds can harbor a number of zoonotic pathogens. Even hides, hair, wool, or feathers can result in exposure risks in some instances. Contact with feces and urine are also important risk areas for many zoonotic pathogens. Transmission from the animal source to people or to other animals occurs by direct physical contact, a relatively common occurrence in daily farm life with subsequent entry of the organism through the mucous membrane of the eyes, nose, or mouth, or breaks in the skin such as cuts, scrapes, and even microabrasions from dry chap skin. The penetration of intact skin is rare, but possible for some pathogens. Direct inoculation can occur following bites or scratches. Next, we'll look at several examples of zoonotic diseases transmitted by direct contact with infected animals. Please note that it is impossible to cover each disease in great detail in the time allotted. However, there are many additional resources to learn more about many of these diseases on the Center for Food Security and Public Health website, including disease-specific technical fact sheets, pre- and post-mortem disease images, disease-specific PowerPoint slides, as well as several disease and species-specific reference tables. One of the more common zoonotic diseases transmitted from animals by direct contact is dermatophytosis or ringworm. This fungal disease affects many different species of animals found in rural settings. The major genera that cause zoonotic diseases are Microsporum and Trichophyton, which grow in keratinized tissues such as the epidermis, hair, nails, feathers, horns, and hooves. People and animals can be infected with fungal spores by direct contact with skin lesions or indirectly from contaminated objects in the environment, such as grooming equipment, tack, blankets, or clothing. Fungal spores can remain viable for several months to years in the environment and are resistant to ordinary cleaning. Selection of a disinfectant labeled for ringworm is important. In animals, ringworm generally appears as discrete scaling patches of variable size with hair or wool loss. The head and neck are most commonly affected, but in horses, lesions are often found in areas of contact with saddles or other tack. Young animals are most susceptible, but animals of any age can be affected. Periocular lesions are often seen in young calves. Ringworm is a frequent problem in show lambs, but relatively uncommon in production flocks of sheep or goats, as well as in swine. Ringworm in poultry, more commonly called favus or whitecomb, involves Microsporum gallinae. The disease, while not common in the U.S., does occur in other parts of the world and therefore has the potential to be introduced by birds received from these areas. Affected birds have small, white, chalky deposits on the comb which can enlarge, coalesce to several millimeters thick. If infection spreads to feathered portions of the bird, emaciation and death are possible. Dermatophytosis infection in animals takes weeks to months to resolve, and long-term skin, hide, or wool damage from scar tissue often results. The fungi are highly contagious, and spread through the herd or flock is common, and may be increased in situations of overcrowding, poor nutrition, concurrent disease, 
or the use of immunosuppressive drugs. In people, the symptoms of dermatophytosis vary according to the fungal species and body tissue or area affected. Lesions are often circular with erythema and scaling at the edge and clearing in the center. This is the classic ringworm lesion. Infected hairs may be brittle and alopecia can develop. Topical or systemic antifungals are typically required for treatment. Dermatophyte infections are not usually serious in healthy people, but those with an immunocompromised immune system can develop atypical and locally aggressive lesions. Once ringworm is suspected or diagnosed, precautions should be taken to avoid spread to individuals on the farm, especially children. Another important zoonosis transmitted from direct contact with animals, particularly goats and sheep, is contagious ecthyma, also called contagious pustular dermatitis or ORF. Contagious ecthyma is caused by the highly contagious ORF virus, a parapox virus in the family Poxviridae. Exposure to the virus occurs by direct contact with the scabs and skin lesions of infected animals, with subsequent entry into breaks in the skin. The virus is very resistant in the environment and can remain viable on wool and hides for a month after lesions have healed. In the U.S., most cases occur in the western states, including Wyoming, Colorado, California, and Texas, particularly in the late summer, fall, or winter. However, any herd or flock is susceptible. A recent study by the National Animal Health Monitoring System found that over 40% of U.S. sheep producers suspected having ORF on their operation in the past three years, but only 18% were actually diagnosed by a veterinarian or a laboratory. The virus is dermatotropic and results in vesicles and thick scabby lesions around the mouth, lips, and nose. Thus, the common names often used for the disease, scabby mouth and sore mouth. Some animals may not have visible lesions, but can still spread the virus. Diseases most common in young animals and goats are usually more severely affected than sheep. Kids and lambs may refuse to eat or nurse, resulting in subsequent weight loss or failure to thrive. Ewes or does may develop lesions on the udders and possibly develop mastitis. Lesions are also sometimes seen on the feet, interdigitally, or around the coronet. A live vaccine has produced fair immunity in all parts of the U.S., but vaccine breaks can occur with virulent strains. Precautions must be taken when using the vaccine to avoid contaminating unaffected premises, and vaccinated animals should be segregated from unprotected stock until scabs have fallen off. Additionally, humans can become infected from the live vaccine as well as from recently immunized animals. Most human ORF cases occur as a result of occupational exposure to infected sheep and goats. Exposure may occur when bottle feeding, tube feeding, or shearing sheep or goats, as well as casual contact with infected animals or contact with contaminated equipment, such as harnesses. It can also be inoculated following a bite from an infected animal. A less commonly considered exposure risk occurs from punctures that may occur during animal slaughter and household meat preparation. Human ORF lesions generally appear on fingers, hands, forearms, and sometimes the face after a three to seven day incubation period. Lesions begin as small papules at the site of virus penetration, often the hand. Papules can develop into hemorrhagic pustules and then further into crust-covered nodules which weep fluid. Lesions can be painful and are sometimes accompanied by fever and lymphadenopathy, but usually resolve on their own without scarring. 
Lesions can become infected if not properly cared for, and severe lesions may develop in individuals with immunocompromised conditions. Similar parapox viral infections can be seen in cattle, pseudocalpox, and bovine papular stomatitis, and both are zoonotic. Bovine papular stomatitis affects cattle of all ages, but is more common in those less than two years old. Similar to ORF, lesions form on the muzzle, margins of the lips, and oral mucosa. Pseudocalpox, also called milker's nodules, cause similar lesions on the teats and udders of cattle. Transmission occurs by direct contact with lesions, but subclinical animals are often the reservoir. Lesions for both diseases in people are painful, raised, erythematous, circular lesions that can ulcerate. These are generally restricted to the fingers or hands and can be itchy, but generally resolve with no scarring within four to eight weeks. Lymphangitis and lymphadenitis are reported complications and may be associated with flu-like symptoms. Occupational exposures can occur when bottle feeding, touching lesions, or administering medication. Dermatophilosis is another bacterial skin zoonosis transmitted by direct contact with infected animals. Common names for the disease in animals, depending on the species, include cutaneous streptothrocosis in cattle, rain scald or rain rot in horses, lumpy wool in sheep, and strawberry foot rot. The causative organism, Dermatophilus congolensis, primarily affects cattle, sheep, goats, and horses, and less frequently pigs. Animals are most susceptible when the skin becomes compromised following prolonged wetting such as extended rain, high humidity, and high temperatures, which allow the bacteria to grow and spread. Biting flies and ticks can be mechanical vectors. Dermatophilosis causes hair to become matted with a characteristic paintbrush appearance. This leads to scabs and crust formation, which may be itchy. Wart-like accumulations of keratinized material can be seen in cattle. Lesions are commonly found over the head and the top of the neck and body, but the legs and groin can also be affected. Disease is most common in younger animals and can result in damage to hides in cattle, wool loss in sheep, and lameness and loss of performance in horses. Lesions are often painful. In people, dermatophilosis manifests as non-painful pustules on the hands and arms. But as lesions heal, they break down to form shallow ulcers that may leave scars. Lesions have also been reported on the legs, as was found in a case in a young girl who attended a summer horseback riding camp where campers often rode bareback in shorts. Erysipelothrix ruseopathii is an opportunistic pathogen that primarily affects swine, turkeys, and sheep. In animals, the disease is called erysipelas, while in people it is called erysipeloid or erysipelothrocosis. The organism is a facultative anaerobic bacterium that is quite resistant to drying and many disinfectants. Infected animals may shed the organism, seeding the immediate environment. In pigs, erysipelas results in acute septicemia and sudden death and can cause substantial herd losses. Characteristic pink, red, or purple rhomboid or diamond-shaped skin lesions can be seen. Pigs that survive acute infection often develop chronic lameness and arthritis, which can lead to poor growth and carcass condemnation at slaughter. Vaccination in swine is very effective and should be encouraged. In turkeys, erysipelas primarily manifests as cyanotic skin lesions, including blue comb and muscular petechia. 
but it also results in swollen limbs, sudden death, and male infertility. All ages can be affected, but it is most common in older birds. Free-range chickens may also be at risk for the disease. Decreased egg production and conjunctival edema may be noted. In sheep, the disease most often affects growing lambs over a month of age and results in non-suppurative polyarthritis. Inoculation occurs from entry into wounds following tail docking and castration procedures and can have high morbidity. So the sudden onset of moderate to severe lameness in a high number of growing lambs should raise suspicions. Human erysipeloid infections are rare. Most cases occur in people exposed to infected tissues, such as butchers, abattoir workers, veterinarians, or farmers, with the pathogen entering through scratches or punctures of the skin. Acute localized cellulitis with reddening is typical, although a septicemic form occurs in up to one-third of patients. Frequent hand washing, prompt wound care, and wearing protective gloves are important preventative actions. Antimicrobial resistant organisms are also a concern through animal contact. One example is MRSA, or methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. There are both human and animal adapted strains of the bacteria. Human adapted strains are most commonly the cause of disease in people. However, occasionally MRSA is acquired through contact with skin lesions of infected animals, and sometimes animals acquire it from people. In some species, like swine, infected animals show no signs of the disease, but in others, like horses and cattle, MRSA can cause opportunistic suppurative infections involving the skin and other body systems. Symptoms in humans are variable. Some people are asymptomatic, while others develop superficial skin and soft tissue infections. Invasive infections can occur in different parts of the body, including the musculoskeletal, respiratory, and cardiovascular systems. Antibiotic treatment must be based on susceptibility testing. The number of antimicrobial resistant organisms continues to rise each year, emphasizing the essential need for protective precautions to avoid direct contact on the farm. Streptococcus is one such organism and an emerging zoonosis that has increased in importance in the last several years. Streptococcus bacteria are part of the normal flora of most animals. However, if the bacteria enter the body or when the immune system becomes weakened, such as in conditions of overcrowding, poor ventilation, or co-infections with other pathogens, disease may occur. The result can involve abscesses, respiratory infections, and more. A few examples include Streptococcus suus, a significant pathogen of swine that resides primarily in the tonsils and possibly the gastrointestinal and genital tract of clinically healthy pigs. Young pigs can develop septicemia, leading to fever, swollen joints, incoordination, head tilting and paddling, blindness, convulsions, and acute death. Introduction into the herd most commonly occurs by the movement and mixing of animals. In horses, Streptococcus equi, subspecies Zoepidemicus, can cause lower respiratory disease, including pleural pneumonia, especially in young horses. Affected horses develop mucopurulent nasal discharge and dry cough, which can persist for weeks. Skin and soft tissue abscesses, mastitis, abortions, and full septicemia are also possible. Cases of zoonotic streptococcosis in humans are not common. People more commonly get the disease from other people. 
However, sporadic incidents and even outbreaks have occurred. In 2009, more than 200 human cases of Streptococcus suis were reported in China. Of great concern during this outbreak was that nearly a third of the affected individuals developed toxic shock syndrome, and 38 died. All infections occurred in backyard farmers who were directly exposed during the slaughtering process of ill or recently dead pigs. Most human infections occur among veterinarians, pork handlers, and slaughterhouse workers with direct contact to swine, raw pork, or pig viscera, or in immunocompromised individuals. Transmission is usually through breaks in the skin, such as a cut, infected wound, or abrasion. Many streptococci can also be transmitted from infected people to animals and then back to people. Streptococcus in people can result in many different manifestations, including skin and soft tissue infections, endocarditis, purulent meningitis, pneumonia, and other respiratory diseases. Septicemia can lead to joint infections as well as toxic shock-like syndrome. Streptococcus suis infections frequently result in bilateral hearing loss. In the fall of 2019, the detection of Streptococcus equi zoepidemicus occurred following a high mortality event in pigs in Ohio and Tennessee. Affected animals were weak, lethargic, and several had high fevers. While no human cases were associated with either of these situations, the risk for zoonotic exposure did exist. A large number of mite species infest animals. Most inhabit the skin, feathers, or mucous membranes, resulting in crusty skin lesions. Many mites are tolerated without consequence unless their populations become very large. Other species regularly cause pruritus, mild to severe dermatitis, and hair and feather loss. Some mites in animals, such as Sarcoptes scabii and Sauroptes ovus, can cause significant economic losses in livestock from debilitation and damage to the hides and wool. Not all mites are zoonotic. Several mites, among Sarcoptidae, are important in domesticated animals or people. Endermonysis gallinae, also known as the chicken mite, red mite, roost mite, or poultry mite, can cause dermatitis in people. The symptoms of mite infestations for people are generally red, itchy papules and sometimes a rash which can cause discomfort and dermatitis. Secondary bacterial infections can result due to scratching. Most mites from animals do not usually survive for very long on humans, and as a result, infestation is almost always self-limiting within a few days or weeks. Most scabies infections in people occur from the human sarcoptic mite, Sarcoptes scabii variety hominis. Anthrax is a serious zoonotic disease caused by the spore-forming bacterium Bacillus anthracis. The disease mainly affects cattle, sheep, goats, horses, and wild herbivorous animals. However, virtually all mammals and some birds are susceptible to high doses. Animals usually acquire the bacterium by ingestion of contaminated vegetation, soil, or feed products such as bone meal. Direct transmission between living animals is not common. However, the carcasses from infected animals pose an exposure risk for others in the herd. Large numbers of bacteria are present in body fluids and hemorrhages after death. When exposed to air, spores are formed and contaminate the surrounding soil and vegetation. Anthrax spores are extremely resistant to heat, sunlight, drying, and many disinfectants and can potentially survive in the environment for decades, as well as on animal products such as dried or processed hides or wool. 
mechanical transmission by insects such as flies or scavengers such as vultures feeding on carcasses can contribute to the dissemination. In North America, cases most commonly occur in the western and midwestern U.S. states such as the Dakotas, Texas, Montana, Nevada, and Minnesota, as well as in parts of Canada. Outbreaks have occurred in other areas of the country, as was seen in 2012, when Mississippi, Oregon, and Colorado reported anthrax events for the first time in more than 20 years. Environmental characteristics such as weather, climate, and soil composition contribute to the occurrence of the disease. In ruminants, disease is generally rapid, and sudden death may be the only sign. Bloody discharges from orifices such as the nose, the mouth, and the anus are sometimes seen. Clinical signs before death are uncommon, but may include staggering, trembling, edema in the head and neck, abortion, and decreased milk production. In horses, fever, anorexia, depression, sepsis, severe colic, and bloody diarrhea are the most frequently reported clinical signs. Some may have edema in the neck or sternum that can cause dyspnea. Death usually occurs within three days. In pigs, septicemia and sudden death occur occasionally but mild subacute to chronic cases with localized swelling, fever, and enlarged lymph nodes is more common. Pigs also may develop dyspnea from swollen oropharyngeal tissues. Anthrax spores form when the bacteria are exposed to air. For this reason, when anthrax is suspected, the carcass should not be opened. Sporulation does not seem to occur inside a closed carcass, and organisms are thought to be destroyed by decomposition in unopened carcasses within a few days. Anthrax is a reportable disease for people and animals. Veterinarians who encounter or suspect anthrax should contact their state animal health official. In endemic areas, annual vaccination for livestock before outbreak season can prevent anthrax, and control of animal anthrax can greatly reduce human risk. People are most commonly exposed through direct contact with infected animals or their carcasses, or inhalation from contaminated hides or wool. Rare cases have occurred from the ingestion of contaminated meat. Four forms of the disease are seen in humans, cutaneous anthrax, gastrointestinal anthrax, and inhalational anthrax can occur from animal contact. Injectional anthrax is a new form of transmission that has been associated with the use of contaminated heroin. The cutaneous form is most common, accounting for 95% of cases, developing after skinned contact with infected animal tissues or animal products, such as when handling or disposing of affected livestock, collecting diagnostic specimens, or shearing sheep. Papule formation at the site of inoculation rapidly develops into fluid-filled vesicles, which ulcerate, dry, and develop into an eschar, which appears as a firmly adherent depressed black scab. Cutaneous lesions often resolve spontaneously, However, dissemination and life-threatening illnesses such as septicemia and meningitis can occur. Human-to-human -human transmission of cutaneous anthrax has occasionally been reported. Inhalational anthrax occurs after inhaling spores. Symptoms start as nonspecific flu-like signs such as fever, chills, tiredness, as well as a non-productive cough and mild chest pain. Within a few days, severe respiratory distress, Fatal septicemia and shock can occur. Mortality can be high for inhalational anthrax, with untreated case fatality rates as high as 90%. Natural cases of inhalational anthrax are rare. 
However, Bacillus anthracis has been weaponized and used as a biological weapon, so vigilance for this disease is warranted. Gastrointestinal anthrax is relatively uncommon, but can occur following ingestion of raw or undercooked meat from an infected animal. Outbreaks affecting groups of people who ate the same food have been reported. Infection results in hemorrhages in the gastrointestinal tract, as well as lesions in the oral pharyngeal region. The timely recognition of anthrax in susceptible animals and the use of appropriate protective measures such as hand washing, wearing gloves, and face masks when working with the hides and wool can help prevent human exposure. Let's look at a scenario for another important risk area for exposure, infective birth products. As the story unfolds, think about what you would communicate with your client and the recommendations you could make to prevent zoonotic disease transmission for this situation. You are a large animal veterinarian in rural Iowa and have been called out to one of your new clients. Henry and Mary are a young couple that recently moved to the country and have a few sheep and goats on their small farm. They are excited this spring as they are expecting their first round of lambs and kids. A few of the sheep have started lambing and several of the lambs have been stillborn or died shortly after parturition. One ewe has a lamb that has survived, but it is very weak. The ewes seem normal otherwise. Henry and Mary have been out assisting the ewes during the delivery, and Mary, who is five months pregnant, has been caring for the weak newborn lamb. What zoonotic diseases might you be concerned about in this situation? Another important risk area for direct contact exposure to zoonotic pathogens is reproductive tissues and fluids, including the placenta, fetus, and amniotic fluid. This includes chlamydia abortus, campylobacter, listeria monocytogenes, Toxoplasma gondii, and Brucella abortus, melatensis, and suis. Exposures can occur when assisting animals during parturition or reproductive difficulties. These body fluids can also contaminate the environment and contribute to exposures to others in the surrounding area. Entry of these pathogens generally occurs via breaks in the skin, mucous membrane contact, or inadvertent ingestion from contaminated hands or objects. Several can be aerosolized and inhaled, and most are shed in the milk of infected animals, making the ingestion of raw or unpasteurized milk or dairy products an exposure risk. In animals, these pathogens result in abortions, stillbirths, and weak newborns, infertility, and sometimes systemic manifestations such as mastitis, arthritis, and septicemia. For people, reproductive zoonoses can affect anyone but are a major risk factor for those that are immunocompromised, including young children, the elderly, and especially pregnant women who can have reproductive losses, including miscarriage, stillbirths, or premature labor. Infections are often associated with flu-like symptoms, fevers, body aches, and headache. Systemic infections can result in endocarditis, pneumonia, meningitis, and hepatitis, or chronic disease. Coxiellosis, or Q fever, is another important reproductive zoonosis caused by the bacterium Coxiella burnettii. It primarily affects sheep and goats, as well as cattle, though other species, such as cats, are also susceptible. Bacteria are found in birth products, and people are exposed through tissue contact, contact with contaminated fomites, and airborne spread, such as stirred-up barnyard dust. Ingestion of unpasteurized milk or dairy products is another possible means of exposure, and as little as two organisms can result in disease. Coxiella burnettii is highly infectious, 
persists in the environment, and can travel for miles once windborne. Infection in animals can lead to abortion, stillbirth, birth of weak offspring, or early mortality. However, some infections are asymptomatic. In people, infection results in flu-like symptoms, including headaches and muscle pain that typically last one to three weeks. However, up to 60% of infected individuals may be asymptomatic. Severe disease, including pneumonia, hepatitis, and meningitis is possible. Infection with Q fever while pregnant may result in miscarriage, stillbirths, or preterm delivery. Serious chronic sequelae can develop in about 5% of cases and include endocarditis in individuals with pre-existing valvular disease, liver disease, and chronic fatigue syndrome. In 2011, the first outbreak of human Q fever in the United States was reported. 20 infected individuals, including goat owners, farm visitors, and neighbors were identified. Coxiella burnettii was traced to 21 goat farms in Washington, Montana, and Oregon. While no human deaths were reported, four of the infected individuals were hospitalized. While Q fever occurs in all areas of the United States, it is more common in regions with sheep and goat rearing, particularly the western and plains states. Q fever can occur during any month of the year, but as we would expect, most occur in the spring and early summer months during the peak of birthing season for cattle, sheep, and goats. Human cases have been increasing over the years. In 2000, only 19 cases were reported to the CDC, but in 2017, 153 acute Q fever cases and 40 chronic Q fever cases were documented. More than one-third of these cases were reported from three states, California, Texas, and Iowa. In the United States, Q fever is a nationally notifiable disease for people. It is also reportable for animals in certain states. Coxiella burnettii is also listed as a Category B bioterrorism agent. So back to our scenario. What recommendations would you make to our small ruminant owners, Henry and Mary? Many reproductive diseases of sheep and goats, as well as cattle, have zoonotic implications. However, the prevention measures needed for all are similar. First, of course, is to raise awareness of the exposure risks to both of them. Talk with them about the potential sources, how can the pathogens be transmitted and enter their bodies, and what health implications are, especially for Mary, as well as other animals on the farm. Next, promote prevention. Talk with them about what they should do during the current situation, as well as to prevent future situations. Prevention measures should start with personal protection. Wearing gloves, palpation sleeves, and masks when assisting animals that are delivering. Washing hands after contact with the animals. And avoiding hand-to-mouth, eye, or nose contact. It is best if those that are immunocompromised or pregnant avoid contact with the pregnant and newborn animals. If this is not possible, extra personal protection measures should be taken to prevent infection. Since many reproductive zoonotic pathogens are shed in the milk, unpasteurized dairy products should be avoided. In our scenario, it is important that Mary monitor herself for any signs of illness and contact her physician if noted. It is also important to protect the rest of the herd and prevent the disease in the future. Implementing biosecurity measures, such as isolating animals that have aborted to prevent infection to other ewes in the flock, promptly removing all birthing tissues and bedding from the area while wearing gloves, and properly disposing of it.
thoroughly cleaning and disinfecting areas where delivery occurred, as well as any equipment used. And certainly limiting visitors' access to animal areas can reduce exposures to many reproductive transmitted zoonoses. Discuss animal health interventions such as vaccination to help prevent future incidents. Encourage diagnostics to determine the etiological cause to determine any treatment or additional prevention measures that may be needed. Exposure to animal secretions like saliva or nasal discharge is another way that you, your staff, and your clients could be exposed to zoonotic pathogens. One example is vesicular stomatitis, a viral disease that mainly affects equids, cattle, and swine. It is caused by the vesicular stomatitis virus in the genus vesiculovirus family Rhabdoviridae. The virus spreads between animals through nose-to-nose -nose contact, so it is important to isolate infected animals. The virus is also spread by biting insects such as midges, sandflies, and blackflies. Aggressive measures to control insects around animal housing can help prevent spread of the virus. In animals, vesicular stomatitis causes vesicles, papules, erosions, and ulcers in and around the mouth, on the feet, on the udders and teats, and the prepuce. Excessive salivation is often the first sign of disease. The infection usually runs its course in five to seven days, but can take an additional seven days for the animal to fully recover. Cases in people are uncommon, but have occurred following contact with vesicles or saliva from an infected animal. Most infections are subclinical, but influenza-like illness sometimes occurs. Vesicles are rare, but have been reported in humans. Outbreaks of vesicular stomatitis do occur in the United States. In 2020, an outbreak of vesicular stomatitis virus spread to seven states including Kansas, Missouri, Arizona, Nebraska, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas. Most of the cases involved equids, but a few bovine cases were reported. This disease is also important as it can resemble lesions of foot and mouth disease in cattle and swine. Vesicular stomatitis is a reportable disease when suspected or diagnosed in animals and listed on the USDA High Consequence Pathogens list. Diagnosis results in quarantine of affected premises. As previously mentioned, inoculation can be a potential means of exposure. Bites, while generally less common in large animals as compared to companion animals, can occur. In addition to the physical injury that can occur from these events, Inoculation of a wide variety of aerobic and anaerobic microorganisms is possible. These include actinobacillus, bacterioides, pasturella, staphylococcus, streptococcus, and others. According to one report, of the more than 100,000 emergency room visits per year due to injuries from horses, over 3% were related to bites. Manifestations such as cellulitis, abscesses, lymphangitis, and possibly septicemia can occur. Many of these organisms are opportunistic pathogens, making avoidance or prompt wound care essential for all, and especially those that are immunocompromised. Let's look at another scenario. You are a veterinarian in a large animal practice in the rural Midwest. You receive a call this morning from a longtime client, a large cow-calf producer, about a cow with choke. She mentions she has checked the cow's mouth for a foreign body by feeling around with her hand, but she did not see or feel anything obvious. You ask for more information about the cow and learn the cow is drooling a lot 
and it seems like she can't swallow. The producer also tells you that the cow was bellowing yesterday and that she's currently nursing a calf. The cow and calf have been on pasture and a skunk had been in the farmyard earlier in the week. What zoonotic diseases might you be concerned about in this situation? In this situation, rabies should be on your differential list given the access to pasture, the recent skunk sighting, and neurological signs. Rabies is caused by the rabies virus, genus Lysivirus, in the family Rhabdoviridae. All mammals are susceptible to rabies, and while not common in cattle, cases do occur. Domestic animals account for approximately 10% of rabies cases in the U.S. In 2018, 33 rabid cattle and 13 rabid horses and donkeys were reported to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Rabies should be on your differential list for cows with abnormal behavior, neurological abnormalities such as aggression or ataxia, and inability to swallow and or lameness. In animals, either the paralytic or dumb form or the furious form of rabies can be seen. Several wildlife reservoir species maintain different rabies variants in the United States. Raccoons along the East Coast, skunks in the Midwest and in California, and foxes in the Southwest and Alaska. Bat reservoirs occur across the nation. People are, of course, susceptible to rabies infection, and the disease is nearly always fatal once signs become apparent. One to two human cases occur each year in the United States, most attributed to bats or unvaccinated cats or dogs. Exposure most commonly occurs through entry of infected saliva through bites, but exposures to breaks in the skin, such as when performing oral examinations, as well as exposure to infective neurological tissues during necropsy or diagnostic sample collection can also result in infection. Rabies is a reportable disease for animals and humans, and each year an estimated 60,000 people are treated for rabies exposures in the United States. Infection in humans begins with influenza-like signs. Prickling or itching may occur at the site of the bite, and symptoms progress to include anxiety, confusion, agitation, and delirium. People may develop neurological signs like partial paralysis and pharyngeal spasms or hydrophobia. Vaccines are available for animals and people with a high risk of exposure. Situations of public exposure have occurred, such as one situation involving a buckskin gelding at the Tennessee Walking Horse National Celebration in 2006. The event had nearly 150,000 people in attendance. And while the majority likely had no contact with the horse, those that provided daily care, as well as some who may have had contact when the horse was taken for rides on the celebration grounds, were at risk for exposure. The Compendium of Animal Rabies Prevention and Control, published by the National Association of State Public Health Veterinarians, recommends that all horses be vaccinated against rabies and that livestock that have frequent contact with humans such as in petting zoos, fairs, or other public exhibitions, should also be vaccinated against rabies. You can find a copy of this compendium in the Course Resource Library, as well as on the NAS PHV website, to learn more about the recommendations for livestock and horses. Animal feces is, of course, another important risk area for zoonosis exposures on farms. Several important zoonoses that may be acquired from fecal contact are cryptosporidiosis, salmonellosis, colibacillosis, and campylobacteriosis. Zoonotic pathogens can be shed in the feces of sick animals, but oftentimes animal carriers are asymptomatic. 
Most people are infected following ingestion of these pathogens, either via contaminated food or water, or contaminated hands or objects. Entry through wounds or abraded skin is always a risk. Symptoms of infection in humans include fever, abdominal cramps, diarrhea with or without blood, and vomiting, and sometimes severe sequelae. We will talk in greater detail about these enteric pathogens in the next section. However, it is important to remember direct contact is a risk. Lastly, zoonotic exposures can occur following direct contact with urine of infected animals. A good example is leptospirosis. Leptospirosis is caused by various species of leptospira, a bacterial spirochete, with more than 250 pathogenic serovars. Leptospira serovars are generally adapted to one or more mammalian maintenance hosts, which may or may not develop clinical signs. Dogs are reservoir hosts for serovar canicola, pigs, serovar bratislava, and pomona. Horses may also maintain serovars bratislava. Cattle are the primary reservoir hosts for serovar harjo. Rodents and insectivores are reservoir hosts for a number of leptospira serovars. Leptospirosis can be transmitted either directly between hosts or indirectly through the environment. Leptospira species can be ingested in contaminated food or water, spread in aerosolized urine or contaminated water, or transmitted by direct contact with the skin. The organisms usually enter the body through mucous membranes or abraded skin. They might also be able to penetrate intact skin that has been immersed for a long time in water. Outbreaks have been associated with floodwaters. Clinical disease occurs in dogs, cattle, sheep, goats, horses, and pigs. Infections may be asymptomatic, mild, or severe, and can have a sudden onset or chronic persistence. The clinical signs are often related to kidney or liver disease, or reproductive losses such as infertility, abortion, and stillbirths in cattle, sheep, goats, and swine. In horses, the eye is most commonly affected. People are considered to be incidental hosts and do not act as reservoirs for these organisms. Infected humans may be asymptomatic However, classic presentation is a biphasic illness, starting with acute, nonspecific signs such as flu-like illness, weakness, vomiting, and progressing to a severe icteric or anicteric second phase in which the kidneys, liver, or nervous system are affected. Cough, dyspnea, confusion, jaundice, and a stiff neck are other signs seen. Up to 10% of cases progress to icterus, renal failure, and possibly death. Most human cases occur from recreational exposures such as swimming, but the risk when working around animals and following flood situations is important to remember. Leptospirosis is a nationally reported disease for humans. I hope the previous slides highlighted how the use of a few simple personal protective measures when contacting animals can prevent exposure to a wide variety of diseases and decrease the likelihood of zoonotic disease transmission by animal contact. Hand washing after animal contact is of course one of the easiest and most effective ways to prevent exposures. Wearing protective clothing is, well, protective. Wearing gloves when working with ill animals, looking in an animal's mouth or treating skin lesions, and during high-risk situations such as when assisting with parturition. Protecting any wounds or abraded skin and prompt wound care, especially following bites, cuts, and scrapes. Avoidance is important for those who are immunocompromised, and when it is not possible to avoid, extra protective precautions should be taken to avoid exposures. 
We will talk in greater detail about each of these prevention measures in Lesson 3. In the next section, we will look at some of the zoonotic disease risks from the animal environment.